Welcome everybody to the Raptors 2K podcast brought to you by Uber Eats. I know it's been a little while, but it's good to be back. I'm your boy, Phil. I'm joined with my guy, Shane, and we're here to talk a little bit of 2K. Shane, how are we feeling today? Not bad, man. Considering the state of the world, you know, I'm in good health. <laughs> um, you know, things are getting a little crazy out there. We're recording this just before Christmas. I suspect this will come out probably in the week between Christmas and New Year's, but that's why I'm wearing my ugly green gamer sweater uh and i, got I didn't my want red to point it out match. but yes very it's pretty hideous in your face yeah 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 very in your face uh this is what i wear for these uh holiday gigs when i'm uh working my day job but uh, yeah it's good to see you phil yeah for sure man you... always uh always a pleasure to link up um i mean before we even dive into this shane you already know what's on my mind okay first thing when i wake up i'm hungry okay so we're gonna be <laughs> recording this podcast i gotta get something to eat. how you feel about that yeah, I'm down. You're on the West Coast, so it's even earlier for you than it is for me. But, uh, you know, I'm at that point in my day where I break the fast. So, you know, we we do like to give a little bit of life advice. There have been times in this podcast where we've talked about uh, things that we've learned along the way. And I know, you know, you got on a real health tip recently as well, or in recent years, I should say. And for me, intermittent fasting is like one of those life hacks. I don't think I'll ever go back. Uh, so for anyone out there who's struggling, like I was like a really skinny kid. I think I graduated university a buck 70 and that year I hit 200 and now I walk around like 220, try to get myself down to 210. But one of the things I've found to really help with that is intermittent fasting. So usually we're recording a little later in the day, again, time zone accounting and, and whatnot. But uh, today we're, we're meeting around noon. And so I'm at that point where I'm actually going to do a smoothie today instead of uh, what I would usually get, which, you know, we've talked about in the past. And again, would be remiss not to plug the Uber Pass. Uh, you get free delivery on not only your meals, but also groceries, alcohol, etc. I've been a user of Uber Pass ever since, even before this podcast. And I'll tell you, you get free delivery fees when you hit a threshold. So what I find is like, sometimes I'm like a buck or two away from hitting the threshold. And then I end up getting like that item I was not going to splurge on, like maybe like a Gatorade or some sort of a side and ends up being mm -hmm. about the same cost. So it's almost like it feels like you're getting the stuff for free. So big fan of the Uber Pass. Make sure you guys check that out. Uber Pass, you? too good. I am ordering tacos because I breakfast tacos just sound really good. There's a spot like 10 minutes away. I already got it prompted up. Place my you're order a big taco in. guy. I feel like you had taco a couple times. I def I've like float between sushi and tacos. It's a West Coast thing. It's I'm not proud of it, but yes, that's that's where we are. I'm gonna confirm mine. I'm good to go. How about you? What kind of smoothie are you getting? Uh, usually I like like a blueberry base smoothie. Usually like a an almond milk. You know, add uh, obviously protein. So for those of you out there who are trying to get on the smoothie tip. The key to having a smoothie and not feeling hungry after is lots of protein. So throw lots of protein in that thing and you, know, you can get that not only through the protein <clears throat> powder, but also through like, you know, nut butter, almond butter, peanut butter, that kind of th stuff that will really help. Hemp hearts I like as well. Throw chia seeds in there. And then have you heard of MCT? I have not heard of MCT. So MCT is this like concentrate from coconuts that is apparently like a natural kind of like focus and energy supplement so it's like been described to me as like a natural adderall i think we can say that given that we talk about some of the ped stuff in gaming in the past on this podcast but yeah that's kind of how it's been described to me is uh gives you energy gives you focus at this point i don't even know i've just been putting it in daily and i feel great when i do it so i'm assuming that that's having a positive effect 
Well, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, you want to talk about energy and focus. Honestly, that might just describe the guests we have for episode number four. Shane, now you know this young man, this individual very well. Please introduce our first guest. Yeah, very excited to have Yena Gaming, uh, an NBA 2K League champion from the Cinderella run in season one. Uh, he's now moved to being a scout and a content creator. I know he's got aspirations to be a GM or to work for a team in the league. He, you know, I think he's done a great job of networking. He reached out to me earlier this year to just you know pick my brain, ask me some questions, get some career advice. So I guess without further ado, producer Colin, let's bring in our guest for today's podcast, Yay Not Gaming. Yo, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. Hey, it's a pleasure, yay. It's been uh, too long. We've been talking about doing this, I think, since like last summer I tweeted asking who people would want to see on the podcast, and your name kept coming up. Yeah, man, I, got, I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. I was like, man, Shane forgot about me, but I'm glad you're able to reach out. <laughs> No, not, not at all. Phil will attest. It takes a little while for us to get this thing organized. We hit a couple yes. road bumps here and there, but we're up and running now. I think this is episode four or five at this point, so we're starting to roll. Episode four, Shane. I'm on there the money. There we go. That's why we pay him. Don't, don't worry about it. Episode number four. Yay. It, first of all, brother, good to see you. I've not spoken to you in quite some time, but I, I see you're very active on your socials, so that tells me, obviously, you're still very engaged in the game community, 2K League community, stuff like that. Um, as of recent, though, I mean, you know, Shane always brings it up. He mentions a good point. You know, state of the world's kind of crazy right now, and you're in New York. Um, what have you know? What have you been up to as of late? Um, actually, in Indianapolis right now. Um, right now, oh, you're in Indianapolis. Of, yeah, I'm in Indianapolis. Oh, dang. My geography sucks. Go ahead. I'm all over the place. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but currently, uh, doing business development uh, with Salesforce at the moment. This is my second month in. Um, working there and at the same time still uh, plugging into these combine games that have been running last week along with a lot of pro-am and about a month ago I was in a, a tournament uh, um, in LA for $10,000 It came up short in the championship game so I'm still playing too. Nice that's great well I, I know I came came up in a tech startup so sale, I know Salesforce very well good for you that's uh that's a good sales culture you develop some strong uh, sales skills in, in in that company no doubt about it that's mm -hmm. awesome well yeah I know uh you always keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on uh in the 2k community there's been a lot going on you've been paying attention to the combine you know what's your kind of analysis of this year's draft pool um, one of the big things that I kind of saw going into it, um, I think the lockdown position is really strong going into this year. I think if you, um, even if you draft the eighth or ninth uh, best guy on the list, I think you're still in a good spot as an organization. Just going to be going up. It's, uh, it's going to come up to a fit at this point because there's going to be good locks early and late in the draft. Um, I think the questionable thing is which point guards are actually going to be good on the league build. Uh, I think. Uh, I think Greens has a really good shot at being really good. Same thing with Cooks, and we saw him last year. But after that, it's kind of like who's going to take the risk on who? Uh, it's, it's, there's no clear-cut person who looks who looks like they're going to be a star in the league. And, that's, and that might be a hot take. It's just how I look at the game right now, especially after the, after the patch. I mean, so that's, you know, putting it very professional, which, of course, I respect. Are you just saying there's a couple bums? Is that what you're saying? No. Like, just keep it real. <laughs> I got some bums with some question marks next to their names. Is that what you're talking uh, about? I, I, I wouldn't say no bums. It's just I don't think there's – it's not a ton of star power at, at the point guard position, in my in my opinion. I think 
Um, in the draft, they'll go early just because there's going to be a need for some of those teams. But there's only going to be like five or six teams who really need a point guard. Uh, but I think a lot of the star power is going to be coming from uh, the two spot and the, the lockdown position from this draft pool. And then we still got some guys who coming in from the last or from the last season who are unretained. They're still trying to get back guys in like BP who kind of faked the retirement. But I think he still is want to get drafted. And I think that would be a, a, a better pick than uh, some of these newer guys we're hearing of. Speaking of BP, break and trade uh, out of Atlanta yesterday. So Hotshot is moving on from Miami. I think uh, he was one of the last uh, stalwarts and on his first season one team, just like Kenny got work. We talked about that last podcast, and uh, I don't know how many of that leaves on their season one teams. But what do you think about that trade? Um, I kind of heard of, uh, rumors about it a couple months ago. Um, I was just, I thought it wasn't going to go after a while. I was like, oh, maybe it was just a fake rumor, but it got out there. Um, it's good to see like the hot shot getting a change of scenery. He was over there for four years, had a finals appearance, uh, had a big run season one. Um, and then I think with the way Heat Check's been going the last few years, I think they just wanted to change the scenery in terms of like the players, maybe um, to build a team around staff at this point. Um, I don't mind a pick. I, now I'm kind of un- trying to understand like how the dynamic of that Atlanta squad is going to look like. Um, getting uh, Milo as a coach was a, was a great move for the organization. Congrats to West for getting the promotion. Getting Seed, that point guard, is uh, I think Seed is going to be talented enough where he's going to be able to carry the backcourt. So I think my draft strategy for that squad is kind of wait on the two guard because Seed is kind of ball dominant. And, I mean, if two guards play well off of him and just try to strengthen that front court up to try to get a good swing guy at power forward position or try to get a, a versatile, like big, like a DJ early as early as they can, maybe at 24 or 25, whatever pick they have, just to, just to strengthen that defense up and then try to get a guard late. And, and there's going to be decent guards available at, four, at 43. I think that's what their last pick is. Really? Yeah, you think you can get two guards at 43? Wow. Out there. Yeah, it won't get any stars at 43. But at 20, I can't believe I can't remember which pick they, they traded for. I think they traded 6 to 22 for high shot. I got 20-something back. Uh, that, at that spot, um, I think there might be – I think between 24 and 43, you're probably going to see maybe two shooting guards get drafted, two or three. So, I mean, and there's not that big of a gap between – it's a big gap between, like, the top four and then there's everybody else. And I think the, how talented sees is he'll be able to get you 25 points out of the backcourt. You just need a guy to get you, get you 12, hit his open shots, and maybe get you 15 in tough games. Um, mm-hmm. And then just strengthen up the front court Because first team to 60 wins, I'm like, you got Hotshot who can mash – uh, in a mash dominant game, so he's going to give you some points underneath the basket. Um, uh, Swan is an underrated lockdown. Um, he gets needs more credit than he deserves. So I think if you just get a two guard at forty three, uh, you'll get some decent decent picks there. A Rooks, I think, is going to be on the board there. Um, you might have one of those guys who slip, who they're just kind of uh, missing, like maybe a trade dollar slips there, and you're going to have some good names there at, at forty three. That's interesting. Not to uh, change gears, because I want to get back to looking ahead, but you mentioned the Heat in the finals in season one. Um, so for anyone who wasn't paying attention to the league back then, uh, you know, we had a bit of a Cinderella run. This is the Raptors 2K podcast, so I always insert a little bit of 2K, uh, Raptors, uh, you know, history and, and propaganda. Um, but no, we had a kind of a run in season one where we started off at the bottom of the league, 
you know, couldn't get a win and then just won out, you know, and it was a much shorter uh, season back then. And people may remember it was like best of ones. And, uh, and we also didn't even have a league build to practice on back home at the facility. So it was literally like inner team three V threes with four AI on the court. So it was pretty janky, but (laughs) we we would show up to that studio and we were just on this run slowly climbing up. And I would just remember being like, it was such a crapshoot. We really had no idea how good we were or weren't now in between league games, we're playing dozens of scrimmages against other league teams so you have a much stronger sense and still there are nuances to playing in official matches that just vary so it's like you don't always feel exactly like you feel in practice but i felt like we were going to be the cinderella story bottom of the league finished in the fourth seed you know i think inarguably the hottest team heading into the playoffs i mean you know you could talk about that game and whether or not you guys you know tried to you know specifically pick your opponent in uh, the first round of the playoffs. But I think there was definitely some consensus that people were ducking us in the first round. And then, you know, inevitably we played the Cavs and, and again, you know, just wrap up our history. And then I want to hear from you what it was like going on that run, uh, you know, with New York, but we end up playing the Cavs like probably 30 times in scrimmages because by that point in the season, we had the like the practice mode available and we beat them like 28 out of 30 times, maybe 29 out of 30 times. And Jerry, who ended up becoming our center, you know, was their center. And, and he told me, he's like, you guys messed up by playing us so much because we learned how to play you. And so sure enough, it was a best of one opening round of the playoffs against a team we had been mopping the floor with in scrimmages and they got us and knocked us out and, and ended our Cinderella run. So this vision that I had and we were telling the story through North Code. I'm like, oh, this is going to be like the best esports documentary. We're going to win a championship, etc. You guys actually experienced because you guys were the <laughs> true Cinderella story. I mean, you didn't even go on a regular season run. You were like close to the bottom of the league, but you won the ticket. And again, I think most people listening to this probably know the ticket is like our wildcard tournament. So all of the non-playoff teams get to compete in a final tournament to earn one and now two spots in the playoffs. But back then it was just one. You guys won the ticket and then ran the board in the playoffs and took home the first ever NBA 2K League Championship. So I know you got a diamond ring to show for that. But why don't you talk to us a little bit about what that experience was like? Oh, man, it was crazy. I remember it was like the patch came out right before we played the Sixers. No, right after we played the it was before, and because um, remember, uh, was a pure rim could shoot middies or like, and you can double mash, and so they like made it to where the bigs aren't able to shoot as well, and that required like the power forward to kind of go to a shooting build, which kind of opened it up for us, and we start playing a different way of, of a style at that time. We start running, everybody was running five out, and we were running um, the high pick and roll, playing free boards offense to where. We required the center to step up on Cuda and Cuda just shot whatever. And then we pretty much ran the, ran the offense off of the rebound. And I mean, we won a lot of games that way. It was hard to guard. And the best way to, the best way to really guard it was to do it yourself and try to get points on the other side. And it started with the Sixers. And then that was the first game we won going into the ticket. And I think we played you guys the first round of the ticket that, that, that game. And I think that was the game we were most nervous about because you guys were so hot at the time. And we was able to pull that one off. And then we got to play the Cavs. And uh, shoot, I forgot who else we ran into before we got to Celtics. But, like, that whole run, with that whole day was super exhausting because you had to stay at the studio. It was, like, one whole day of games. And we, like, went to go eat, got some Uber Eats, sent to the to the facility, uh, got to sit upstairs, get some shots up. Um, and then was able to pull that off. And then 
the whole the whole journey. This is right when we start getting the the, the practice bill right after the ticket when we played the Pistons. And at the time, we thought the Pistons were the best defensive team uh, to go up against. It had Ramo and and like Rux, who had a really good front court, and then Insanity was over there, and was able to get a lot of runs against them because at that point we knew we were going to get the Blazers in the first round. So and the Blazers wanted us too. So they beat up on us a lot of times. They beat up on a lot of the league this year, that year, and we were able to beat them in the first round. And then after we beat them, we that's when we kind of knew we were like we had a really good shot at winning this whole thing. And we had we ran into a lot of trouble against the Cavs. Both all three games were within like the last possession. Goofy got a game saving block, and then uh, I think game three we're, we had like a go ahead bucket with like maybe thirty seconds left, and then got a stop on the other end. So and then the finals was the Heat was just stopping hot shot, and Nate played out of his mind on defense. We hit some big shots down the road and was able to run away with the sweep there. And then you really don't get time to really think about it until it's all sat and done and then you look back on how crazy a run it is because all we thought was like the journey's not over it's not over and then once it's over you get the ring it's like man that was really exhausting but i mean we're, we're very proud of everybody on that team uh we'll, hopefully a 30 of a 30 comes out in the next 10 years <laughs> or they do like a marvel movie or something so i'll make sure to try to get you guys some parts <laughs> i, I uh, always yeah. wondered about that run um because like yeah you guys were like exceptionally good um is it was like was the patch like that big of a deal or did you just get on the same page at some point because like a lot of people like i i heard like a lot of back and forth between like oh it was like strictly the patch that carried them to it or like i mean the patch helped but mostly they just kind of got their ish together like what was like the main uh ingredient to that run um i think it was really just with um kuda going to the sharp shot and nobody was on that build. Everybody was running the the playmaking shot creator, or running like if you were on a shot, if you're on a shot shot creator or the sharp shot creator, you're running five out. So we were like the only ones running that type of style, and nobody really practiced against it. And then nobody really knew how to guard it. They either had a center who was not trying to step up, and and Kuda went off at thirty, or the center stepped up, and Goofy was such a good rebounder that whoever was down there just didn't matter, and Goofy was able to get. 15 boards and, and 20 points. So it was like, you, you pick your poison. <laughs> and I think, and like, and, and it was hard for teams like the Blazers who were used to playing the style of defense and uh, being very dominant with Mama, thinking Mama's just going to outscore us. It just didn't work out that way. And we all defense is also changed because we threw Nate on the pick and roll and he was on a six, nine, like sharp rim or something like that at the time, which was crazy to put on a pick and roll on that type of, uh, on that type of build on 2K18. Um, and we were able to hit stops too. So we were getting boards on both sides of the ball and scoring the ball. So everybody has their opinion, like the, the, the there was Kuda sliders or there was uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kuda sliders and there's uh, uh, their patch made and all this stuff. I was like, yeah, you still got to beat us on the stage. So didn't, they didn't get it done. Yeah. yeah. Figure it out. I'll say too, man, like, you know, as frustrating as that, that patch update was, and we should talk about that and, and, you know, whether that, you know, should be part of, part of our league or not, but, um, you guys weren't exploiting it the same way that other teams were. And like, you know, just to, to be specific, I mean, I remember, you know, we kind of, 
on our run coming from the bottom up to fourth seed, like we kind of hit everyone when they were super hot. Like we played all the teams that were like top of the league out of the gate. And then the teams that were struggling out of the gate, like the Grizz and the Heat got really hot after that patch update because they just had like hot shot and, uh, and authentic African just like slashing the rim like crazy and yeah. playing five out. And so it was like really mm-hmm. static playing those teams. And I remember like shout out Trey because Trey was just this kind of like cold shooter for us. But then all of a sudden, like, cause Kenny was playing the one and he yeah, really had no crazy. defense at the one Trey just started like playing crazy D we were calling him the five out stopper. And, you know, he really, I think carried on D for those games and like helped us get into that position, you know, to be at in the playoffs, but you guys weren't playing that exact same way. Like it was actually refreshing. I remember it being exciting. And like you said, Kuda was shooting the lights out. Like we had a watch party at the bell five house and like, there's actually a, a video series coming out early next that. year. Here's a little teaser on this. And like that watch party, like you could see some of the reactions from people in the room. Like it was an exciting finals to watch just because of like some of the crazy shots that were getting hit and some of the big defensive plays. And yeah, it wasn't just five out slash the rim like everyone else seemed to be doing with the meta at that time. Yeah, man, Kuda and Goofy really figured it out. They got on the same page with the PNR. And on defense, Nate was did like an ungodly amount of film. It was it was sickening how much film did he watch. And and they, they probably talk about how, how much like awkward and day far watches film. I was like, man, you don't understand how Nate was that week in the championship game. It was crazy. I couldn't get him out the room. And and he he got a lot of big stops down the stretch of that 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 series. And he played great defense throughout the entire the entire series. I think the only person that we really really struggled with was Hood. Because they were running similar offense as we were, and it was, he was forcing Goofy out, and it was really a, a boards match, a, a board fight between Sick and Goofy. If you watched back the first game, Sick out rebounded our entire team, and nobody else on the floor got a rebound but him. I mean, nobody else on the floor got a rebound and him on his team. And then we, I think he finished like twenty-two boards, and we finished like twenty as a team. It was nuts, and they ran the exact same thing as us. But uh, other than that, it was just pretty much the Nate the Nate stop show, and and he watched so much film and gets hot shot that going into the game we were really comfortable with how it was going to turn out, and we ended up sweeping. Then he win Finals MVP, Nate. Yeah, he got fight. Finals MVP. Yep, that's what it yeah, takes. For good reason. That dude was um, that dude's different. Let that be a lesson there to all the aspiring pros out there. Film, I mean, you know, we try to motivate our guys. Like, I, I always, like, it's, it's you know, four or five heading into our fifth season now. Like, it's crazy to see how hard people work to get into the league, how committed they are to this game when they're not getting paid for it to get in. And then the amount of complacency that you can experience once they're here. It's like, I try to tell them, like, guys, this is like, it's like you're going to summer camp. Like, this is like four or five months, and then it's over in the blink of an eye. And while you're here, like, if you're not watching film, if you're not putting yourself in, like, the position, position to you know to do everything you can to win it just seems like a crazy you know lack of focus and, and priorities because there's money to be won you know literally heading into every tournament it doesn't matter how hot or not hot your team is like every tournament there's money to be won and i think one of the things that we've obviously seen is that with it being such a short season like just because you get out of the gate slow doesn't necessarily mean that your team can't win a tournament right like we've seen that happens mm-hmm. every season where you know teams who did not look good at early points in the season end up going on runs winning tournaments winning some money so yeah that's a good lesson for everybody out there like how important film is i know for us you know we've experimented every year with different approaches to film and i think we finally landed on like the proper approach for ourselves last year it felt like our film sessions got like really constructive and thorough Um, we're going to probably you know repeat that again this year but uh just you know shout out to nate for putting in that hard work and for it paying off and getting mvp and helping helping you guys win those diamond rings 
Oh yeah, it was definitely definitely due to film. We watched a lot of film too in the in the facility we had and uh MSG Network, shout out MSG Networks um for keeping us in the uh the room we had and being able to make all that noise without kicking us out. And it was a lot of watching film, it was a lot of three on three or scrimmage scrimmaging the pistons. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you mentioned Hood. I want to bring him up uh, for a second here just because, you know, it's an interesting case where, remember, like, he came out of the gates and was, like, on SportsCenter. You know, like, there was, like, some crazy clip. LeBron like, comparing names the... of two yeah. <laughs> Never forget. Good Lord. Exactly. And then, and then, yeah, he gave us a lot of trouble as well. And, um, you know, I think, again, the Cavs struggled a little bit, but then found their form in the playoffs and were a pretty tough team. And, and obviously you guys were able to get through them, but uh, they knocked us out when we were at the top of our game. And, you know, then obviously Hood struggled. And I think he got a couple other chances that seemed like good fits, right? It felt like a cultural fit with Blazer 5. But as I'm now looking at, like, the state of the league and, like, you talk about Rooks maybe being there at, like, you know, the 44th pick or, or wherever, um, you know, they'll be drafting, wherever the Hawks will be drafting their potential two guard. Like, one of my thoughts is that, you know, there's these players who were like superstars early on and then maybe like the meta didn't fit or the team didn't fit and they've kind of moved on. But it feels to me like the type of game where like those players could make a comeback. I want to know your thoughts on that. Like, you know, as I look at the, the draft pool, like obviously every year there are some new stars that come in, but I wouldn't say like it has the, the, the league has aged in a way where like season one looked like a weak season. I, you know, I think like early on, because I really had no idea the sentiment on Twitter was, Oh, so many stars were overlooked, but then the season two draft, I think was probably the weakest draft. Uh, and so I want to know your thoughts on that. Like, you know, what is the, is there potential for players who were, you know, out of the gate really hot and then kind of couldn't find their stride in later seasons? Is there potential for them to return to the league? Like, you know, obviously, you, yourself being a player who won a championship in season one and now you know aren't playing, at least at the pro level. Yeah, I think uh, with this season coming up, there's a couple people that kind of like fell out of the limelight of being like uh, really referenced as a star to kind of make a, a good case for themselves. I think Goofy being one of them. Um, Goofy has historically been a, a decent rebounder. Um, he. Only thing he kind of has to improve on is is on the defensive end, but with it being a match dominant game, he communicates really well, and he's very motivated. So this could be one of the seasons, depending on where he goes, that he can uh, be able to mash his way and and get rebounds the way how he looked in season one. It depends on what team he's going to go to. Um, another player, um, like I said before, I think A Rooks. I just I think this is one of his type of games um, where he can be able to dribble and shoot. I think with him. I think it just might have came down to fit. They had a, a lot of decent, a lot of moving pieces. Getting Reg in Milwaukee, who's kind of a ball dominant guy, kind of restricted some touches for him. And then going to Philly was kind of more the same with Dre being a more dominant guy and not really known for getting their two guards involved. So if he plays with another player who who can at least get him some looks or or an organization that's going to get him some some buckets on his own to either go off the bounce or get him on the decks like he did back in season two. I think that was his best season. Um, and then you're going to see a, you know, a big rise out of him too, as well. Um, it, it's a few, it's a few guys on the marquee that are like that. It's like Cali Rack can kind of make a comeback if, they, if someone wants to take a chance on them. And uh, uh, even Nate Call, like we were talking about before, he's still really good at playing lockdown. I saw him play with Island Game with Chalk earlier in the year. And, and he's still the communicative guy that he's always been. And he watch, still watches film. I don't think anything changes, still knocked down from out of the corners. I think as a as a community, um, we always try to promote new new guys over older guys. We always want to see like the 
I don't, I'm not putting me under this, but like I'm putting as a community that likes to see like older guys get, you know, wished out of the league and get these newer guys in because it kind of motivates the people who are trying to get in. So I understand why they do that. But some of these guys still can hoop. And I think Nate calls one of them too. I, I, dude, I never sleep on like the old guard because I mean, this just like experience means so much. I, I think, especially in like something like, uh, you know, the 2K league. So, especially like some of these guys who never even really got the chance to still play on stage just given everything that's happened so um you know i obviously you know i support the new cats too but man i want to see them veterans out there man you know like yourself jt you know what i'm saying like like, see these guys you know still balling up practicing and getting back in the league because you know to me like season one and two those are the seasons i worked had like the best personalities like to me it wasn't even close you know what i'm saying so so that's a big that's a big selling thing to me too is the personalities um, and that that's what I'd like to see more of going into the next season, season five. It's fun. It's funny you say that because, uh, you know, as Ye was just saying, you know, I think Calirac has another turn, you know, in him. It's like, I don't even really think that much about Calirac when I think NBA 2K League. And it's because of the remote seasons we've had since season one and two. Like, I really feel like I know all the players, the personalities, the storylines from season one and two so much better because we were yeah. on land. Yeah. And we didn't acknowledge this at the top of the pod, but probably the biggest news out of the 2K League recently, and I guess the reason why it wasn't top of mind for me is because I've been aware for a couple of months, but it just became public, is the league is significantly overhauling the structure this year. And so that's probably the next topic we need to div- dive into. I personally am a huge fan. You know, I have some more information that is not necessarily public yet that I think helps reinforce for me why this is the right direction for the league to go. But just at a really high level, um, you know, the league is introducing 3v3 so we're going to have both a 5v5 series as well as a 3v3 series sort of running in parallel something really cool about the 3v3 i want to get your thoughts on especially you phil um but the 5v5 we're also moving away from a regular season and it's funny because this was framed as like a huge structural change and i think some of the initial reactions were that's crazy how can we not have a regular season but instead what they're doing is they're extending the qualifying you know, periods for those tournaments. So the tournaments we've always had, the tip-off, the turn, the ticket, uh, are basically the structure now of the 5v5 before we head into the, you know, the playoffs. Uh, but normally where we'd have like one day of qualifiers for each team, you know, you play like a small group uh, stage before the playoffs. Uh, now you have like an extended qualifying period before each of those tournaments. And if you look at the structure of the league previously, there was really only a few weeks of gameplay in between tournaments. And we would actually reseed based on the game since the prior tournament heading into the next. So it really kind of was yeah. like a qualifying period for those tournaments, but there'd be like an imbalanced number of games played. Like I remember one time we had like a back-to-back bye week because there was a league bye week as well as our bye week in between tournaments. So we played like two yeah. games between tournaments. So to <laughs> me, it's like it's increasing the stakes of the games. It's balancing the number of games everyone plays in between tournaments. I really, really like that structural change for 5v5. And then the 3v3 side of things is just super exciting to me because, I mean, we've known from the beginning that like the 3v3 park players on YouTube and Twitch, like they're, they, they command the biggest audiences, right? And, you know, they're such big influencers Definitely. that they don't need the like salary and they don't want the restrictions, I would imagine, of playing for an NBA 2K league team. But 3v3 now has an open bracket. So I'm hoping with a significant amount of prize money on the line, and we've all seen it's like 2.5 million across the whole season next year. So can't share how that's being carved up, but it's a lot of money. I'm hoping that that attracts some of those big YouTubers and live streamers who may do very, very well and win a lot of money, may help prove how good our guys are. Either way, I think it's like a net win for everybody in the 2K League. 
I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, I think definitely because we're going to see some more big names. I would like to think like uh, maybe like Hank the Tank come out or Ticino come out and or even like guys like annoying, like kind of like the OGs in the in the content game uh, running 3v3. So to play against these guys and we're going to see a, a lot more stars start to get more love from the, the park community. And I think uh, I think it's going to start with the, the point guards and the lockdowns, of course. So. Uh, we're going to see like maybe some 3v3 guys who are really good lockdowns who should be playing Pro-Am and they're going to start recruiting those guys and maybe vice versa. Maybe Awkward's going to go be a park guy from now on. So uh, I want to see how that whole that whole thing turns out. But uh, it's definitely a different style of game. Um, I think if you look at some of the great stage players, guys like Fana, who I think is going to hire, like has a higher uh, chance of getting drafted this year just off of 3v3 alone. I think it's going to make a big impact whatever team he plays for. And, and and see how uh, the the guys in the two K league and, and Pharaoh on a three three setting now the floor is way more spaced out and uh, you have to switch up the way you play so it's going to be interesting but I think we're definitely have a lot more more eyes on it I think we're going to create a lot more stars this way um, and then five v five has always been entertaining for me and maybe it would attract some of those three v three guys to watch five v five too as well and it opens it up to the amateur scene so. Um, maybe motivate some more players to go up against these guys since they like to talk trash in the Twitter comments. <laughs> Obviously. And, like, and helps us discover yeah. those amateur players, right? Like the problem right now is, you know, post-draft, it's like always hard to size up, right? Like how would these guys be doing if the league players were, were in Pro-Am? In, you know, in the off-season, it's like only so many league players actually play in Pro-Am. And, you know, the, the less discovered players are, you know, competing with weaker teammates. So now we have this like open bracket where we get to see them run the floor and then actually get to face off against 2K League pros. So, you know, even if you're not on a team that can hang, I think your individual performance will be able to shine through. And I mean, like we've been identifying players even through Scouts north for like years now where you know we know that these guys can play uh and they just basically need their shot and so that, that's going to be a huge stage for them to do that on but phil do you think that this is going to be appealing for those youtubers and content creators i know you come from that world like is this enough is is a huge prize pool and is the content and their ability to stream their own games like, do you think this is actually going to get the annoyings uh, of the community in, in, involved yeah, a hundred percent. And and it simply comes down to one, it's just a free avenue for content. And two, you know, considering a lot of these guys are actually really good, they can win some money. Like that's just that that's the whole reason you make content, you go live, is to accumulate and make some cash. So why not do it in a competitive setting, which just by nature draws in more attention than just playing casually, right? You like you know, people always streaming their wager games and stuff like that. So I, I think this is the right move. Like I am a fan of the traditional season seasonal structure that we've had, but I understand like for growth purposes, this is a great way to not only give people, you know, incentive to feel like, oh, I have an opportunity to like make an impact and get my name out there, but to get those big names to like legitimately like talk about the league, participate in the league. And it's just, it's overall the best route to take growth wise. You know what I'm saying? Because I remember working, you know, like season one or two and, you know, somebody be like, oh, we're going to have, you know, so-and-so come on the desk and sit with you. I'm like, cool. What is, what is this accomplishing? That's literally what I would literally be like, okay, cool. What is this actually accomplishing? But this way you have them legitimately like on their own platforms, um, you know, broadcasting it out. People can you know, easily find out, oh, what, you know, what is this tournament? Where is it taking place? And that's, you know, what really counts. Like use their influence to actually help the league uh, grow further. 
So this this is yeah, the it's a real influencer strategy. It's not just hey, let's pay for a cameo on the desk, which isn't going to move the needle in any meaningful way. But like, let's yeah, actually exactly. get their fans to watch them compete in 2K League gameplay. And you know, if if Kenny and the boys, you know, beat you know uh, some OG or some big you know content creator, and then now their fans are aware of us, even if it's because they hate us, I don't care as long as they're aware of us, right? <laughs> Maybe they'll root for us. Maybe we beat them in entertaining fashion, and then they come to our channel and then they see some content. They're like, oh the behind the scenes of this guy's story is really cool. I'm now a fan of that person. But the other thing that's been on my mind is just how important it is for the pro scene to mimic what the like fan, what the retail consumers are playing on. Right. And I think that rings true across like every game. So, you know, we have some stats on just the number of three V three games that are played in 2k versus the number of five V five games. And it makes a lot of sense to me. I'll use an analogy. So I, I, right now I'm playing Warzone, and, you know, it's kind of in this weird meta state where it's like Vanguard's out. And like when Warzone, the new map dropped, they tried to force everyone onto Vanguard by making that kind of like the, the primary mode where you can play, you know, solos, duos, trios, or quads. And then, you know, the old loot, the old loadout meta, you know, you could only play quads. And now it's kind of flipped and it's going back and forth. And so it's hard to figure out. But I really started just playing the Vanguard version, assuming this is where they want us to be and this is what they're going to focus on. And so I might as well learn it and level up some of these loadouts. And then I'm watching streams and some of my favorite streamers are playing on the old loadouts. And even just that disconnect, the old vehicles, the old loadouts, et cetera, even just that disconnect, it kind of like turned me off. I'm like, oh man, I kind of want to watch guys playing on the meta that I'm playing on. And it's like a really subtle little difference. So imagine you're like a park player, a 3v3 player, but the pro scene is all 5v5. Like I could very well understand why that would be harder to, to relate to and to want to watch. So I'm really bullish that this pivot into 3v3 is going to help. Yeah, I'm like cautiously optimistic, as you said, that, you know, if some people become fans of our players and our teams through 3v3, then when we're playing in those high stakes 5v5 tournaments, they'll tune in to watch. But ultimately, I think this 3v3 pivot is probably one of the most significant strategic changes that the league has made so far. Definitely. Uh, I'll have to ask you a question, Shane. So say if it's a future yeah. sex in terms of like the 3v3 tournament is going to get more views in the 5v5, and it, and it looks like significantly more like 3v3, everybody's tuning in, and then 5v5, not as much. Do you think that the 2k league will completely pivot into the 3v3? Listen, I don't represent the league when I say this, and I don't have any inside information that would suggest that you know, that is the case. But yeah, I mean, my instincts are like, that just makes sense to me, to be honest, right? I think there's a lot of reasons why 3v3 would be a smart pivot for the league to make, you know, one of which is, as we know, we're just building this thing, right? And it's growing and sponsors are there because it's like really safe, you know, gaming and esports content. It's run by the world's best league operator in the NBA. And so all those things are great. But we really do need to increase the viewership, and uh, you know, until then, we're we're funding this, right? You know, it's it's an investment in in a future asset, and you know, I think one of the things that's starting to come up more and more is player salaries, right? Like, you know, Dave, I mentioned it, like guys who've been in the league four years. I mean, we'd love to keep those players as they age and as their demands on their lives, you know, in increase and you know they need to be able to earn more and of course you know day fry being a champion and winning all those tournaments he's bringing in a good income from the prize money uh, but for those other players who don't win prize money throughout the season you know i think obviously 3v3 would allow us to pay the players better um, i think there's a lot of things that 3v3 would unlock you know in addition to the fact that there are just more retail consumers playing that version of the game which will hopefully help the needle upwards in terms of audience uh, but i think particularly there's a lot of good reasons why 3v3 would make sense even though as a purist, I'm a huge fan of like the 5v5 gameplay. I think there's a lot of beauty to it. Like one of my challenges is, 
you know, thinking about the long-term state of the game, like, can you really imagine a world where there's like all these kids running home from school to play, you know, five on five pro-am and the one dude's playing power forward. And like, it's not for a million dollars of prize money. And like, he's just kind of standing in the corner all afternoon, like, you know, waiting for his shots. Like it just doesn't seem like the funnest thing for kids to do at home. Whereas three V three, everyone's involved in the game, no matter what. Right. So yeah, I just struggle with the scalability of five on five from like a retail perspective. That's true. That's true. I mean, one thing I one thing I always kind of commented with, kind of banter with, with with players over the years is like those corner guys being able to do something um, just to, to get more involved on, in the game. I know the way the meta works in 2K is kind of like uh, pick and roll offense, you know, your lockdown system at one corner, your power forward system in the other corner, and that's just how it is. Um, but maybe giving those guys a, a different kind of ability, like a power forward, being able to be an OP at, at post moves or or having a lockdown, being crazy at getting out of use. I like I, even that's a lot to ask for, and it still might go down to being a meta. Uh, but it's hard to really get a balance of really good offense and really good defense uh, and keeping everybody involved in the 5v5 side without everybody moving around. So. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. Like the three three makes a lot more sense if it's successful, um, as we think it's going to be, and like the computer, the uh, the league um, being able to pivot to that specifically, and, and only three three. Well, I think you know we're working with Sam Pham as our as our sort of coach analyst. He's doing a lot of like X's and O's content on YouTube, and so he and I have had this conversation a couple times. He believes there is a way to make the five v five meta, you know, be dynamic enough that all five players on the court can have a really pivotal role. He thinks there's some things you can do with the builds, um, you know, that will, will that will enable that. So I don't know, I like things in esports and games change so quickly like i don't you know it's impossible to predict where we're going to be five years from now ten years from now so you know hard to say where we're going to end up but one thing i'm really happy about is the 2k league is experimenting you know they're constantly looking for ways to increase the stakes and increase the viewership and and again i think this is like one of the smartest pivots that we've made definitely i totally agree yeah, I think the new team coming in too is it Ducks Gaming is, is kind of getting thrown for a little bit of a loop here too. But honestly, with the three v three style, like it's it's almost like more even footing because like oh, you're not just all the traditional five v fives, right? So we're all kind of getting a, a reboot here, uh, in a sense, which I think is really going to help for you. Yay! Are, do you still have aspirations to rejoin the league, or are you like is like the scouting GM role kind of where you're transitioning to? Uh, definitely wanted to go into the scouting GM role and move up an organization that way. I think I, I still do enjoy and play in the game, and I still can get out there and play with these guys. I'm still in like pro am leagues. I, I had the tournament yeah. in LA, um, and I was on the league build. Did all right, just came up a little short, but I'm like I still have fun playing the game. Uh, but like Shane was saying earlier, uh, and he was talking about how Day Fry, uh, a lot of these guys are getting older now. You know, they demand more from life, like. I have a nine-year-old child, you know, you know, I'm planning to get, have a family, like expand, extend my family one day. And like the, the salary that the league has on the table now, it just won't be enough. And then I would have to guarantee to win a championship every year in order to, to really stick to it long-term. Um, and, and at the same time, keep my skills up um, and, you know, in stay in the league. So like, uh, it's just not enough security in it as a player. It's just for me personally, I'm 30 years old. So uh, I definitely would like to get in on the, you know, the, the behind the curtain, the behind the scenes type of deal and, and, and be able to uh, be a manager and help these guys get to where they want to go and get the organization where they want to be. 
And, and I'll add on that, you know, I think when you consider, you know, it's like a, a half year or less, you know, typically about a five month commitment. Um, and, you know, you a lot of your costs are covered. I mean, I, I know every team's a little bit different, but, you know, you don't pay rent. You know, there, there really is an opportunity to, to save quite a bit of money, I think, uh, during a season. Um, and, and, you know, I think you see a lot of sneakers getting bought, you know, on Twitter in the middle of the season and stuff. And and then you have like this like off season, the six month off season where, you know, it's certainly not conducive to building a career, but there's a lot of like, you know, work that you can do, you know, on a, on a temporary basis in the, in the off season, right? Like I know type right now, you know, it depends on your specific circumstances, but he's got an uncle in construction. So he goes and does construction. I know some people like drive Uber and that kind of thing in the off season. So, you know, I think it is manageable for those who are able to kind of find their, their stride in the off season. But yeah, of course we would all love to see everything grow and we'd love to see, you know, guys who are starting to age out, you know, be able to see long-term viability and staying in the league because, you know, they're some of the best personalities and stars that we have, right? We, 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 invest in these players brands and you know it sucks to lose them right opens the door for yeah. new brands to come up but but there's so many great stories that you know we've only got a short window into i mean hood would be another example of that right like he was such an exciting dynamic personality you know we talked last week about bp having a little Kyrie in him i mean her, her hood definitely had a little Kyrie in him too but like that's sure. what we need in this league you know those are storylines yeah. those are that's exciting it gets headlines and all that kind of stuff so well yay i think uh you are absolutely a wealth of knowledge i mean you, anyone listening to this podcast can tell like you remember the the details in and out of everything that's happened in this league since then and uh, so i think you're Story. a great fit you got a very mature approach you know to to being a scout and a gm and i know you and i had a conversation a couple months ago and and uh, you know I, I think if you keep your head down and stay focused on that you know some opportunities should open for you i have a question on that front for you is there a unique unanimous first overall pick and if not unanimous who do you think is going to be the first overall pick this year mm. um i did think it was unanimous maybe like three weeks ago but i started to change my mind but well i think it'll be the first overall pick i think it's going to go to the hoodie tie aki ball greens um to the mavs i think he's one of those guys who take a risk on play point guard uh, i think he's really good at breaking down the defense and find and getting his other players involved um if you I, i've heard whispers about maybe seldom but I think that's, that's that's a little more risky. I think if you really want to, if you want to get some content done, and if you want to like be in a limelight and and, and worry about that, it gets seldom. But I think they're gonna get get greens. The greens is a safe pick in my bet. Seems to be community consensus for sure. And yeah. Oh, did you guys hear that? My doorbell rang. So you know what time it is. My Uber Eats has arrived. That means it's the end of the podcast. Guys, it's always great catching up with you, Phil. Yeah, it's been too long. Uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show. Any final thoughts, comments, questions, stories before we wrap up? Um, check me out on Twitter, Gaming, uh, Y-U-Y-N-O-T-G-A-M-I-N-G. And also follow me on YouTube or subscribe to YouTube is Yay Space, not Space Gaming. We're going to have more content coming out about pro and the 2K League, get into some draft uh, combine thoughts and maybe do a couple mock drafts on there with some other analysts as well. Going to get a little more active. Just stay tuned. We'll definitely do that. Uh, yeah, man. Appreciate your time. Yay. As always, Shane, a pleasure. Guys, was the Raptors 2K podcast brought to you by Uber Eats. Appreciate you watching. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Catch you on the next one. Happy holidays, everyone.